Looking for car shows? Then look no further than FLACarshows.com. On your computer or on your mobile device, FLACarshows.com is a comprehensive list of automotive events plus videos and news articles. Whether you're looking for car shows, cruise-ins, meetups, automotive festivals, cars and coffees, or anything else relating to an internal combustion engine, then this is a site for you. Check it out online or on your phone at FLACarshows.com. Hello, this is Brian Johnson of ACDC, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Okay, listeners, welcome. You're tuning in to Nostalgic Video Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Brand new computers, Google Chat Talk, GoTo.com. You can see us live here in the studios. Don't forget to check out our website, GolfStreamMotorsports.com, where you can find out all about us. And if you missed any of our 600 and lost count shows, uh, go to Nostalgic Video Cars, the archive page. Excuse me, I got a cough. <coughs> so much for the cough. Good evening, Bobby. How you doing? Hey, I'm doing pretty well. Uh, happy to have my voice back over here. Happy to and have by, voice. by by voice, I mean microphone. <laughs> Your microphone. Oh yeah. Well, I'm. Uh, so now, are you in the main studio now? Yes, I'm in the control room. The control room, the command center. So is the how's that new gig work or that new equipment working? Is oh, it working yes, pretty good? Our big slick new uh, spaceship looking board here is uh, just uh, purring like a kitten. All right, so they got it to the point now where, like, when you turn the knob, it's kind of like in, in car terms. If you hit tur- if you hit the horn button, the lights come on, or if you hit the windshield wipers, the seat retracts yeah, or something yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah, well, yeah, or like uh, still like, do that? Like, like Chevys, where you uh, where, <laughs> you, pull, where <laughs> you pull on the uh, you know move your seat up and the truck starts or something like that. Yeah, 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 or stops, <laughs> stalls, stops, stalls. Stalls. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, <laughs> speaking of which, the uh, we have about, the, yeah. <laughs> well, we got the Mighty Excursion running real good now, so, you know, we're working on that. That's our latest project, uh, kind of like a father-son deal, but we got that thing going. looks pretty good and won't be long, and we'll have a few more little goodies dialed in on that thing, and it'll be roaming the roads of Florida, as I say. So, hey, guys, we got a real exciting show for you this week. Um, we're back to finishing up. We had a little issue, technical problem last week. No big deal, but we're here. We're here to stay, guys. Don't worry about it. So we're going to continue with our rock. October theme, and we've got another really special musical guest for you this evening. 
But anyway, the other thing I wanted to give everybody a uh, heads up on is this weekend, today, as I'm sitting here in, a, in an undisclosed location in a bunker, not a basement, in a bunker, somewhere in, uh, in the uh, Sunshine State of Florida, um, but SEMA is taking place. Now, you hear me talking about four major events that you need to attend to every year, starting with Scottsdale Collective Car Week, Amelia Island, Monterey, and then SEMA. Those are the main ones. Now, there's all kinds of good stuff going on in between, but those are the biggies you got to go to. Fortunately, it didn't work out for me this year again, so I'm not at SEMA, but I've got my uncle there. He's uh, Uncle Art. So a big shout-out to Uncle Art. He's out there canvassing. A big shout-out to my friend Juan, who's uh, the big media director there for SEMA because we got all the credential stuff's taken care of. But anyway, SEMA's got a great event going on. If you ever can get there, you know somebody in the car business because it's business-to-business only. It's not cars. I mean, it's not uh, open to the public, but it's business-to-business only. So if you know somebody that's in the car industry of some kind, they can probably apply and then get you a guest pass. But it's one of those things that you have to have to have to do. And uh, it's uh, four days. It actually starts uh, – they start setting up last week. But, you know, it's kind of like I usually get there on a Sunday, and I kind of roam around while they're setting things up. And you get the – you know, you run into guys like Jeff Foos and Dave Kendig and, you know, Jay Leno, people like that are wandering around there, Steve Strope. Um, you know, and then some rock and roll guys there that are car guys, you know. Um, Michael from uh, Van Halen's there, Michael Anthony, uh, Billy Gibbons, you see him wandering around there all the time, a lot of car guys. And um, so it's a lot of fun, but it's the best of the best. But special, SEMA stands for Special Equipment Manufacturing Association. So anything to do with the aftermarket parts industry will be there. And let's just to give you an idea, it's 26, 2,800 vendors and somewhere between 250 and 300,000 people. At SEMA, and then you've got Apex, and Apex over there. Now, at SEMA, let's say you have North Hall, Central Hall, South Hall, but Central Hall is where you see all the cool stuff. You know, that's the stuff that you see, all the TV show guys. You know, I mean, I bump into Goldberg there every once in a while. Reggie Jackson's there all the time. You know, Corky Coker, my good friend from Coker Tire. You know, all those guys are just, you know, Christy Lee, you'll see her, you know, wandering around there, you know, signing autographs, taking pictures with everybody, Courtney Hansen, you know. And it's just a lot, you know, all the guys from the TV shows, Richard Rollins, people like that, they're all there. And uh, so that's, and the cool thing is, is they're all in that convention center. So it's kind of like a captive audience. Sooner or later, if you run back and forth, like we, I think we charted it one time, we put something like a 10 miles on, walking 10 miles, you know, in a couple of days. That's a lot. And, um, but in Central Hall, you got Holly, you got Edelbrock, you got Coney, you got Ibach, you got uh, uh, Coker Tire, you got the guys from, uh, um, you know, the, the seat company used to be Ford would be there. Chevrolet would be there. Uh, they're not there this year. The big manufacturers are not there, but they got all kinds of other substitutes in there. Um, cars, the cars that you see there are just absolutely amazing. The cars outside, just some amazing talent. We're just, I just had this discussion with a friend of mine and, uh, we're talking about the cars today, you know, and, and what's going on with auctions and bring a trailer and some of the other auctions, broad arrow, RM, Gooding, Meekum, everybody. And a lot of the classic and antique cars are still real, real strong, particularly the 70s, 60s, 70s hot rod muscle cars. But a lot of those cars are getting converted now with Coyote Motors, LS Motors, and all the stuff. And, well, the stuff that you would convert your car with is all going to be there at SEMA. It's it's like you go there, it's a kid in a candy store. I mean, it's worse because it's like if you're in the cars, it's a serious addiction. But you get some amazing ideas. You meet some amazing talent on there. And there's guys in their 20s and 30s that are just absolutely incredible. So, you know, and then there's a lot of the seniors there, you know, that uh, still wander around. Gene Winfield, for example, in his 90s, he'll be there. He might be on his little scooter running up and down the thing. But, you know, he's there. He's free to take pictures, talk to him, get some ideas. And he's still building cars. He's out there in the desert, in the Mojave Desert, 90-some-odd years old. And it's 100-some-odd degrees out there in the desert. And there he is. He's out there just, uh, you know, whacking away at cars, having a great time. So, you know, age is a state of mind, and if you're focused and you're committed and you're dedicated, you know, you, you, it's, 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 your, it's, your, it's your life. You know, that's what it is. So the, the hobby is alive and well. The industry is alive and well, and there's some amazing cars. And then outside, there's a lot of amazing cars out there. So the talent that runs around there, the hobby is just, it's just, it's just going forward. So you can say what you want about electric cars or even hot riding electric cars. You know, I mean, there's a lot of the stuff there, but internal combustion engines are going to be around for a long, long, long time. So don't worry about that. Just you still have, if you haven't done it yet, you can still build your dream car. 
And um, so anyway, so uh, back to uh, Central Hall is where all the good stuff is. North Hall is where all the paint and body stuff are, is shops, paints, suppliers, equipment, tools, stuff like that. You've got uh, wraps. you got all the gingerbread stuff, you know, emblems, lights, you name it, decals, all that kind of good stuff's up there. And a lot of technical stuff. And then, of course, South Hall is all the heavy-duty stuff, you know, the trucks, the 4 by 4s and all that cool stuff, tires, wheels, uh, you know. And upstairs, they've got a thing where they've got kind of like new products. And, of course, this morning, the opening uh, breakfast ceremony basically is new product awards. So a lot of people have come up with some really new products, names that you re- probably recognize, the, those they received awards. So there's samples of that stuff upstairs. Speaking of samples... Excuse me. If you go to Apex, Apex is over there, which is over in the Venetian Hotel, which is right around the corner from the convention center. And that's where you'll find Seafoam. Our good friends at Seafoam will be there. Our friends at WD-40 will be there. Our friends at JB Weld will be there. Our friends at Amity Oil out of Tampa, which everybody's familiar with, Amelie Arena. So Harry was there hanging out with his guys. Dennis is uh, still hanging out with those guys. And um, he's a friend of ours. And they're still sponsoring the Gator Nationals and some truck poles and things like that. So Emily Oil, you know, buy oil from Emily. It's good stuff. I use it myself. We call it, we use their uh, their economy brand, which is Wolf's Head, which is just as good as the good stuff. And uh, let's see who else. Centrax is over there. You know, Bosch is over there. Everybody's over there. All the hardcore mechanical stuff that, you know, keep your Wagner parts, you know, stuff to keep your cars going, you know. And um, so that's that's kind of it in a nutshell. Now, having said that, and I'm not at SEMA, we're going to do a special on SEMA next week. We got a couple guys coming in. They're going to be talking about uh, you know some of the cool stuff that took place there. And um, one of the things I was over at my friend down at Tubby's. Big shout out to T- Lynn down there, Tubby's uh, Restoration in St. Pete. And he had a '69 Mach One in there, and they Dakota Dash, which is another one of the companies that's out there, does electronics and stuff. They do a lot of stuff for the, mostly. They started out doing Chevrolets and then Ford trucks and Chevy trucks and so on, but now they're getting into a lot of the muscle car stuff. But they did a really, really nice retro style gauge cluster assembly with tacking gauges and all the stuff with LED lights and the and the and the Mach One clock and everything. And I saw that in the '69 Mach One. It was over at Tubby's yesterday, and that was pretty impressive. I was truly impressed with that. That looked cool. And especially as I get older, my eyeballs aren't that good. So LEDs is kind of the trick way to go. Anyway, on that note, I think it's time to get ready to get our guests on the show. Bobby, you're going to fire up the stereo there, and uh, we're going to go to a commercial break. We're going to fire up the radio, and uh, we're going to get our guests on the show, right? Yeah, I was just going to ask anything else you got on that uh, FLACarshows.com minute there. Oh, the FLA. Okay, so basically, well, there's a lot of stuff going on. I mean, uh Jeez, you need to check it out. No, but anyway, I think, Bolt- I think that's I think that's it right there. <laughs> yeah, Bolton, Georgia's swap meets coming up. Turkey Rod runs coming up. Uh, our friends down there and in and uh, uh, Broad Arrows doing an auction in Fort Lauderdale. I think RM's doing an auction. Just a lot of stuff. But stay tuned. But go check out flacarshows.com and obviously stay tuned to Nostalgic Radio and Cars because we'll tell you about some of the stuff that we're planning on going. Palm Beach uh, Concourse is coming up. They just had the uh, Fort Lauderdale Concourse was this past weekend and the Fort Lauderdale Boat Show, which I usually go to those, but I just got so many projects going on I can't get away. Anyway, on that note, Bobby, let's go to commercial break. Let's fire up the stereo. Let's get a guest on the show and let's talk music. All right. We'll be right back. You may be owed some money. After 911 and 411, call 541. That's 727-541-1741. Call Gulfstream Motorsports for a diminished value report. Due to my 28 years experience in the auto salvage business, I'm very good with wrecks. So if your car's been involved in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for the lost value of your repaired vehicle. And visit us at GulfstreamMotorsports.com. Looking for car shows? Then look no further than flacarshows.com. On your computer or on your mobile device, flacarshows.com is a comprehensive list of automotive events plus videos and news articles. Whether you're looking for car shows, cruise-ins, meetups, automotive festivals, cars and coffees, or anything else relating to an internal combustion engine, then this is a site for you. Check it out online or on your phone at flacarshows.com. Well, I'm running through the world with a gun in my back Trying to catch a ride in a Cadillac Thought that I was living, but you can't really tell 
opener? Who needs an opener? Let JJ do it. There's one soft drink with a taste so electrifying, it's pure rock and roll. of a new generation. Hey, this is Chuck Wright. You might know me from Quiet Wright, Alice Cooper, House of Lords, and others. You're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Bang your head. Back with and Cars. I just have to introduce our special guest for the evening. And uh, you got a little sample of his uh, handiwork here. I'm delighted to welcome to the show uh, guitar soloist and part of the current Lara, well, deep uh, guitarist for the uh, current lineup of UFO heavy metal rock band. Delighted to welcome to the show this evening, Vinny Moore. Vinny, how are you doing this evening? Hey there, I'm doing great. Thank you very much, man. Great to talk to you. Yeah, yeah. So uh, let's jump into that Pepsi commercial there. Now, I at first I wasn't sure whether that was you or not because I was watching the video, but that is definitely your handiwork, right? That's me playing, and the guitar player shown in the commercial is Derry Grayen from the band Honeymoon Suite from Canada. Really? Interesting, yeah. interesting. How'd you get that gig? You know, I was in Guitar Player Magazine in a column which was called Spotlight for New Talent, and there was a production company in Los Angeles. They were casting for that part, and they were having trouble finding somebody, and they saw my write-up and my picture, and the, the write-up was really good, so uh, I guess they kind of thought maybe this guy's worth checking into. I got a call one evening in January, I think it was, and uh, the next morning I was on a plane to L.A. from the East Coast. And uh, initially I was uh, uh, auditioning for the uh, main part in the commercial, being seen in the commercial, but I didn't get that, but I got the music part. I think I was a little young, I think I was like 19 and just a little camera shy. You know, and here I was in big old Hollywood with all, you know, it's, it's kind of a little overwhelming for a, a kid that was 19. Well, now, speaking of 19, let's go back a few years when you were, what, 12? That's when you got your first guitar? So uh, bring us, yeah. so let's go back to 12, bring us forward. Well, I really started, actually, when I was 13, started taking lessons, and I still remember the date, February 10th. And, uh, you know, I played for a year, taking lessons, just learning the basic things. And I think about a year and a half in, I got recommended to this really good teacher who was a local guy, who was a rock guy, but also studying with some of the jazz greats like Pat Martino, who lived close by in Philadelphia. And at that point, I just became really obsessed and serious about guitar and thought, this is what I want to do with my life. You know, I just became obsessed with it, and I would practice constantly. When other kids were going outside and doing things, I was just, like, holed up in my bedroom, like, working on anything I could think of. Songs, solos, writing, you name it. Who were some of your early influences? Well, before I started playing guitar, it was, like, Richie Blackmore, Brian May, and I was in the Zeppelin and the Beatles. So just, like, your standard rock stuff. And then I started playing guitar, and I found out soon after that about Jeff Beck, and uh, eventually, got, you know, got into fusion guys like Larry Carlton and Alta Miola. Van Halen, of course, was amazing. Uh, Trower, Hendrix, Frank Marino, there were just so many. And as I said, my teacher was a jazz guy, so he introduced me to things like Joe Pass and Pat Martino. And there was just so much there to be learned and from other guitar players and different instruments, and I was just obsessed with music, basically. Was it overwhelming? Uh, I still find it overwhelming, to be honest, because music is so deep. There's so many different styles of music and so many great players doing totally different things. I mean, it's like walking into a library, and there's just so many books there, and you know you're never going to read them all. 
So you can if you think about it in that way, yeah, it's kind of overwhelming. But you know, you do what you do, and you just take influences in from other sources that touch you, and you know that's what it's been all about for me. So, like for example, when you first started playing, obviously, you know, most of us we play chords, you know, and then you start doing a little picking, and then next slowly you kind of work your way into, you know, lead guitar, and then you kind of develop a a technique so you know you get kind of technical i guess but you know you mentioned eddie van halen and in one of your interviews i was listening to you were talking about him and how he was doing some of the the stuff and and i i don't know if if i use the term shredding okay because the 80s was kind of a completely different style of music than you know than the than the, than the robin travers of the world and the and the and the you know the alvin lees and the and the richie blackmores and eric clapton i mean it got into different you know, it's kind of like, you know, the hair bands and all the the 80s stuff and the heavy metal stuff, you know. So if I use the term shredding, is that kind of like a negative connotation or do you guys like that connotation? Because you're pretty much pretty heavy on a guitar, you know, and Eddie Van Halen kind of I don't want to say pioneered it. But I guess in a way he kind of really did because everybody uses his, his as an example because he came up with some pretty unique stuff. And it's like. When you're a guitarist and you become totally consumed with it, you know, they used in my era, you know, it was always Jimi Hendrix. They say, well, you know, Jimi Hendrix was really good, but he was a showman. I mean, you look at someone like Buddy Guy or Clapton or anybody like that, they're all equally as good. But then when you get into the 80s, you guys had just like did stuff with a guitar that nobody thought was even possible. And Eddie started yeah, I it. I've watched you were pushing the boundaries. Yeah. Sure. So I've come to terms with the term shred. But to be honest, back then, I didn't like it because I did feel like it had a negative connotation. To me, it, it meant somebody who could go nuts on the guitar physically, but maybe, you know, didn't have the feel and the, the phrasing and all the other things that are more important in my mind. But it's been used ever since, and so I've just accepted it as somebody who can really, you know, get down on the guitar and, and do a lot technically. But yeah, back then, I, I didn't like it very much. I don't know who came up with that term. I first heard of shredding when talking, I used to get ski magazines, and they were all these like pro skiers, you know, would talk about shredding up the, the hills and the mountains. And that's, you know, maybe somebody took that term from skiing and brought it over into guitar. Are you a skier? My chance? I haven't in a long time, but I used to go a lot out oh, west. Okay. And yeah. Cool. All right. So you're more of a downhill kind of guy, a little slalom, casual, GS, or what was your style? Yeah, I mean, back when I used to do it, I used to be addicted to speed, and I would just, like, really fly. And I think, like, older me would never do that. It's just too risky. Yeah, bump ski and all that stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Interesting. Okay. What type of skis did you use back then? Um, I had K2s. All right. I believe. I don't remember what size been so long and uh, last time i went i rented some skis and they're more parabolic nowadays and apparently they're shorter than the ones we used you know back when i first started going yeah it's a whole different thing yeah okay well i can relate to that because i had a pair of case twos and i had lang boots back in the day so yeah and it, like i said it's all changed too. everything's changed so let's talk about guitars a little bit okay so you did your first you were with a band called um what was it called? Vicious Rumors, right? Yeah, and, man. Way, way back. That was so right did, after the Pepsi commercial, actually. Okay, so were you? when did you start becoming kind of like a solo artist? Because you actually, in 86, you actually did your first solo album, which was Mind's Eye, right? But before that... Yeah, it came out in 87. I recorded it in 86. Okay. And and that was that was pretty much an instrumental album, wasn't it? Most of the music on there? It was totally instrumental. Yep, Mind's Eye. So, when you're so, how do you define yourself? So, in other words, when you're when you're playing for, let's say, like when you're playing for Vicious Rumors, and you're the lead guitarist, and they did there were some lyrics in some of their music, but a lot of it was was instrumental as well. And so, is and then you you referenced Jeff Beck early because Jeff Beck does a lot of instrumental stuff. There's no really no lyrics, no singing. And a lot of his songs, other than in the early days when he was with the Yardbirds or somebody like that. Yeah, but I, I think he got sick of Rod Stewart. And <laughs> <laughs> so, 
did that have an influence on you too? I mean, you know, when you see when you when you watch someone like Jeff Beck, who's a, just an absolute artist on the guitar, and he did a lot, and a lot of it's instrumental. In fact, really, you know, if you want to take Pink Floyd for example, Gilmore, a lot of their stuff is kind of instrumental based, even though there's some lyrics in it. Um, Gilmore was another big influence on me, actually. Really? Okay. So, so this is all leading up to you're 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 doing your own thing and then so from the time that you got before vicious rumors what was what was your life like as far as uh, a musician i mean were you were you were playing um was that before like the days when you were doing some stuff with alice cooper and and rush and stuff like that that, that was that before yeah, that? that all came later i mean before that i would have been like 17 18 just playing guitar and playing in cover bands at bars and stuff and I kind of got frustrated with that because I didn't want to play covers anymore. I wanted to write my own music and play my own things. And so I quit the cover band. I bought a four-track recorder, and I just started sketching out ideas, song ideas, and making recordings. And that paid off because that's what like ultimately, ultimately led to me you know, doing the Pepsi commercial. And then the Vicious Rumors record came after that. And then I guess... A couple of years later, the Mind's Eye record was my first solo record. And I do always like to blame Jeff Beck for being <laughs> instrumental because he was the first instrumental guy I ever heard. But, you know, I, I also got into guys like Demiola and Larry Carlton, and there was just a whole thing of guitar players doing instrumental records. But none of them were rock. It was mostly like fusion-y kind of stuff. So, you know, I can't think of many other rock things before the late 80s when I started doing it, and as so, well as others. You know. So before the Pepsi commercial, you said that they saw you, there was an art article written about you in one of the guitar magazines, right? Yeah, Guitar Player magazine. So what was that, what did that, what was that write-up about, and how did they find out about you? It was called Spotlight for New Talent, where younger players from all around the country would send in demos and hope to get featured in the yeah. column, and each month there was like three guys featured, and I was one of the guys, and I think it was January 85. And, you know, that was pretty much the start of everything. It led to the next step, and then it was kind of like dominoes. You know, one thing led to another, and I was able to launch a career, basically. Wow, interesting. That's pretty cool. Uh, did it? So you sent in the demo, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So were you overwhelmed? I mean, were you just totally shocked and surprised when the when you got nominated, Kyle? Like, I wasn't shocked and surprised because, you know, I thought it, I had a decent shot at it because I I was pretty good player, and you know I didn't, I, you know, not to sound egotistical or anything, but I thought that I might have a shot at it, and you know, was hoping for the best, and so yeah, it was like an, it was amazing. I couldn't believe that it was happening. But I wouldn't say I was like surprised. Uh huh. No, it's well. I think it's pretty cool. I mean, you know, that's just like the, those are the stories you hear about, and you go, "Damn!" You just want to slap yourself, pinch yourself, and go, "That's pretty impressive." I, I, I I'm impressed with myself. So that's pretty cool. And then, how did the thing with uh, vicious rumors come about? How did you get? Uh, did you have to audition, or did they just say, "Hey, look, you're the guy"? Well, the record company they were with, I was talking to the owner of the label and they needed a guitar player and the record label wanted to get me on on the record so he had an idea you know that i you know would go out west they were from san francisco area actually north of san francisco and um santa rosa oh really he had the idea to bring me out rehearse with the band for a while and just cut a record and then you know there were tour dates so be it but you know just kind of do something and and see what happens Interesting. So that's how that came about. I ended up going out west for four months and sleeping on the other guitar player's uh, floor. Good times. When when did you start writing? Um, I started writing before I sent the tape in to guitar player. You know, I just started putting ideas together, and I had always like come up with uh, different parts and stuff, musical parts even when I was younger, like maybe 14, 15, even if it was just like four chords or something, I would always record myself playing chords and then play live with the backing track of my chords, like soloing. 
Interesting, interesting. And then, uh, like, so when you're writing your music, what's it like? And, and I'm going to play because I really don't know, so I don't want to answer this. But like, when you, you know, you hear people writing music, and they're writing lyrics. They have lyrics in their mind, then they write a song, or they have a song in their mind, and then they put the lyrics to it later. So when you're writing music, and it's you know it's going to be instrumental. What what's the process like? It happens like every way possible. There's no one way that the inspiration comes. It could be, it could start with a groove. It could start with rhythm guitar, you know, a rhythm part. It can start with a melody, you know, and it happens every way it could possibly happen. There's no one way that it has happened for me. I mean, sometimes I'll just lay down a groove in my studio and start playing with it and maybe form a song that way. Sometimes I'll just be sitting around playing guitar, and I hear this melody, I play this melody, and I'm like, wow, that's really awesome, i got to record it. And so I used to have like a little Sony Walkman recorder back in the day, just to record all my ideas, you know, as they would happen, so I didn't forget. Now I use my phone, of course, but <laughs> yeah. usually once I get that first spark of inspiration, the floodgates seem to open, and I end up getting like related ideas, you know. But songwriting is like a feast or famine kind of thing, you know. You could sit around for a week playing and nothing, you know, that moves you comes out. And then all of a sudden, bam, there it is. Something that, you know, inspires you and, and you start Wait, the process. Yeah, when I, I know I've interviewed some guys, uh, musicians over the years, and many of them had said, have said this. And I'm not sure if, you're, if you can concur with some of this, but a lot of times they'll say, you know, I listen to a song. Let's say you know uh, a, a blues song or 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 a jazz song or a rock song, and I like part of the lick, but I kind of wanted to put my own spin on it. So basically, I stole part of the lick, and then I modified it. And if you really listen, you can kind of catch it. But if you're not, it sounds really good, and it's my baby. So what's your take on that? It happens all the time, whether people are aware of it or not aware of it. I mean, like, sometimes you're working on something and it kind of has a familiar feel or sound. I mean, I've written things where it's like, hmm, what is, what is this? Does this come from another song? You know, and I have a song on my first record called The Journey, where I always thought the melody reminded me of something else. And I was always tried to, like, think of what it is, and nothing ever came to me. So hopefully I haven't unintentionally ripped something else off, but... I try not to consciously do that, but I know self-consciously it's impossible not to do that. You know, in fact, somebody heard a song from my new record and said, hey, that reminds me of Hendrix's Spanish Castle magic. And I'm like, you know what? You're, you're totally right. And Jimmy was a big inspiration, and I love that song. So who knows, you know? <laughs> Speaking of which... I heard of that song. Would I have come up with my song? You know, I'm not sure. Well, you know, I mean, it's like, you know, you can sit there and you can have a guy in New England, you can have a guy in Florida, you can have a guy in Northern, uh, you know, in Oregon, Colorado, and somehow it's just the same thing with in the car business. Somebody comes up with an idea, and then they build it, or they write it, or they produce it, and then, and, and, and you got four guys on the planet in different locations, don't even know each other, but they just kind of have the same kind of, let's say, vibe, and something comes up and it's uh it beca it, it manifests itself you know so i get that like collaboration I, yeah and um this is what i did a lot on my new record actually because i have uh, four different vocalists six vocal songs and i was collaborating that way just by sending files and stuff to people and it's also what i do with ufo before we get together um I wanted to get the UFO, but since you just brought, went ahead and brought that up, so right now you're the guitar lead guitarist for UFO. You've been with them since what? Two thousand early two thousands till about uh, just recently here. Are they they're still together, right? Two thousand three, and we're still together. We, I should be over in Europe right now, I think in Greece, but our uh, European tour got canceled because the singer had some health issues. He had a couple stents put in the heart arteries, and he's like in recovery right now, and. Hopefully, we're going to do some stuff next year, depending, you know, on how he feels. That's Phil Mogg, and he's one of the original founding members, right, for uh, UFO? Yeah, yep. Okay. He's the only member throughout all the years that's, you know, been the common thread, you know, that's kept it all together. Okay. Now, you have... guitar a... players. 
and I want to touch base on that a little bit too. But you you talked about your album, so you got a new album coming out. You're going to debut next week, and it's called Double Exposure. Is that your Correct. deal, or is that with UFO? No, that's me, my solo record. Okay. Talk about that a little bit and some of the songs. Um, there's 12 songs, and uh, interesting thing happened with this one. It hap- I wrote it during the COVID lockdowns when nobody you know knew how long we were going to be home, unable to tour. And I thought, I'll just get busy, and you know, I have these six songs. I'll put out an instrumental EP. Maybe only on digital. Maybe I'll have CDs made up. You know, just to keep busy and do something. And uh, so I planned to do this six-song EP. And as I was, like, listening through the demos, which I always do, you know, looking for uh, production ideas and whatnot, I started, like, hearing vocals on one of the songs. And so I started singing with it. And it's like, wow, this song could be a vocal song. And then as I listened through all the other songs, I realized that every one of them could be a vocal song. So I had this light bulb moment in my garage, smoking a cigar, but don't tell anybody that. Okay, we won't. (laughs) Secret. Uh, And I had this idea to do six songs and make instrumental versions of them and also vocal versions of them. And so that's what I've done. That's why it's called Double Exposure. Twelve songs. The second six are instrumentals, and the first six are the vocal versions of basically the same tunes. And if somebody wants to get those, so it's going to be released next week, correct? Yeah, it comes out on Election Day, so there's two things you need to do that day. You need to <laughs> get out and vote, but first, you need to buy my record. Okay. Actually, iTunes and Amazon are both taking pre-orders at the moment, so... Yeah, it will be available. All right, so let me ask you this. Good. Good. We'll just uh, we'll tell everybody about it. Well, we pretty much have, so that's good. So it's called Double Exposure. It's got 12 songs, and they're music with vocals. So there's singing involved in this thing. Yep, four different singers on this one, four friends of mine. So did you write the lyrics, too? I wrote some of the lyrics. Basically, what I did is I sang over all six songs and had melody ideas and, you know, just some temporary lyrics, some lyrics that were were good, some just kind of syllables, you know, in there just to kind of create the melody with the voice. And I sent each guy, like, two versions of the song, the, the one with only the music and the one with me and my temp lyrics. And I said, you know, do what you want. If you want to copy any of my stuff, take it. If you want to totally do your own thing, then just do your own thing, whatever inspires you. And uh, both things happened. Uh, some, like a chorus in River, a song called River Flow is mine. The chorus in uh, Still Waters Run Deep is mine. There's songs where I, like, there's a song called Rise, and I wrote one word in the song, and that was Rise. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it was really very cool to listen to what they came back to me with. I was happy in every instance, you know. I was kind of fearful that I might get something back and go, oh, no, this guy's kind of missed the mark. Totally, I'm going to have to have a talk with him. But in every case, it was like, wow, I love what this person has done. Now, would you say the music, is it kind of a heavy metal, or is it more of a... I'm going to use this cliche term, a commercial type song, something that would get played on the radio a lot. Well, I think it's basically rock. And there are a couple of things that might be able to be played, I think. And, uh, yeah, it's basically rock. I was going to call it something else, but yeah, it's not really heavy metal. I mean, there's even like a, one song that has a southern rock kind of vibe to it. It's called Hummingbird, and I got my friend Keith Slack, who lives down in Texas, to sing on it. So he's got that big Texas-sounding voice. It was totally cool for this song. And uh, I'll make sure you get a copy, and you can let yeah. me know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, looking forward to it. Okay, so let's jump back to Alice Cooper days. And then I think then you did a little deal with Rush, right? Something, and then ultimately UFO. So take us to let's start with Alice Cooper. How that how that worked with you? Because I think you toured with him for a while. Then you were actually on one of the albums, right? Yeah, 
That's true. I was in the studio doing a record, which was the, called Meltdown, in uh, Millbrook, New York, and uh, I got a call from my manager saying, hey, you know, Alice is looking for a guitar player, and they heard about you and your band, because we were on the same record label. I was on Relativity Records at the time, which was owned by Epic, so it was under that umbrella, and Alice was on Epic, and I guess uh, his A&R guy somehow heard about how things were going with my record, and then, you know, was interested in, in me. So I got a call at the studio saying, hey, you know, would you be into playing on a couple songs of Alice Cooper's record, you know, his new record? It's like, of course, you know, I grew up a big fan and it sounded like a, an amazing thing to do. So uh, after I went home, a couple weeks later, I ended up driving up to Bearsville, New York, to Bearsville Studios, which was kind of a legendary studio. I don't think it's in business anymore. But Alice was there and Steph Burns, who was his other guitar player, and they were doing this Hey Stupid record, and they had a lot of other guitar players guesting on the record, like Slash and Joe Satriani and Steve. Oh, Pye. wow. So they wanted to have me on there, too. And uh, I think Mick Mars might have been another guy. I'm not sure. So basically, uh, I went up. They had sent me the songs in advance. And I did rhythms and solos to two songs. Uh, and we went out to dinner. <laughs> and then I went home. I drove home. So it was just like a six-hour thing, really. And I didn't think really much more about it. You know, it was great to be included on the record. But about a month or two later, I got a call. I was back in the studio mixing my own record. And uh, I had heard that they needed a guitar player for the tour, and they were interested in me doing it. And so that's kind of how all that happened. Wow, that's pretty cool. How long were you on tour with them? For like about a year or so? No, it was it was pretty short actually because oh, okay. here's the deal: I had this meltdown record coming out, and Alice was going to do this Operation Rock and Roll tour with Judas Priest and um, Motorhead, Metal Church, and Dangerous Toys. And after that tour, he was supposed to play America again by himself. Yeah, and it just seemed like the perfect thing to do. Everybody was saying, "This is great, you know, your record's going to be coming out." just want to let you know um you're breaking up a little bit so i don't know if you need to move uh where you're standing from or something like that but because you're breaking up just a tad but anyway um all right i don't know it's still still kind of breaking up a little bit i i i'm i think i'm okay here but i can it's it's kind of like uh it's almost like you're like something shielding you or something like that you know because it's crackling at any rate all right so then how did the ufo thing come for you um I, again, we had a mutual friend, and he knew they were looking for a guitar player, right. and he recommended me, and so I got a call one day from my manager telling me about it and asking me to send a CD to Phil Mogg's house, which was funny, and he gave me his home address, and I put together like 11 songs of mine, put them on a CD, and, and sent it to him. I think maybe 10 or 11 days later, I, I got a call saying, 
up and would like you to join the band. Wow. So what's it like? And this is a question that, you know, people always talk about, you know, because like with a lot of bands, it's like a revolving door with some of the musicians. Okay. And, um, you know, it's kind of like, we'll, we'll use Deep Purple example. You had before um, Ian was their lead singer, they had another singer in there. And then, you know, then Ian was there for a long time. Then, of course, he had some issues with Richie. And then they switched. And then they had somebody else. Um, what's his name for White Snake was there for a while. And, and I think uh, Dio and everybody. And, but somehow people like, like, what we call Deep Purple 2, you know, the second version, you know, and so, and so when, when you, when you're with a band and you've got revolving musicians and then sometimes the original guys, part of the original lineup, they show, then they don't show, then they're here, then they're there. What's that like for someone like you filling in? Because now you're, you're signing up for the gig and you kind of want to be part of this, you know, the deal. And then in the back of your mind, is there ever, well, is this a temporary thing or am I permanent? Does that go through your mind? I mean, am I kind of like hitting the, hitting the question right here? Yeah. Well, you know, when I first got the gig, I thought it was a thing that might last three to five years, to be honest. And now we're at like almost 20. So yeah. I'm more surprised, you know, how fast the years flew by and how long it ended up lasting. But I know from the start, Phil wanted a guy to come in who was a songwriter and to be a major collaborator. He wanted somebody he could collaborate with. Right. That's what he's always had in the band. And from my perspective, I didn't want to be a side man, uh, just a paid hired hand kind of guy. And I was offered, you know, to be a full member and contribute musically, you know, on a big level. So that's what made it inter interesting to me and something I wanted to do. That's cool. That's cool. Um, so, so it doesn't really bother you about the other guys if they want to, because I mean, it's like you always read about it. Well, you know, so-and-so wanted to get back to the band. He was one of the original members and, you know, because he's, and we'll use Schenker as an example because he apparently he had a habit of just walking off the stage. I mean, how can you, you know, you're a band and you, and you got your fans and everybody relying and depending on you. And then if people don't show up, I mean, it's, so you want consistency, right? Totally. I mean, if I had my own band out on the road and that happened, it would be like a catastrophe, basically. And yeah. Somebody, somebody counted for me and said there were 17, I was like the 17th or 18th guitar player in the band, actually. Wow. Yeah, over the years. I think Schenker may have been the third. It started out with someone named Larry Wallace, who I've never heard, and also a guy named, oh, God, I'm forgetting the name, Mick. And they started out as a space rock band. And I think in the mid-70s, they started becoming more of a rock band. Uh-huh. Well, Vinny, we are just about up against the clock. And I want to thank you very much for hanging out with us here at Nostalgic Creating Card. We didn't quite get into the, the, to the guitars, Dean and Kramer and all that stuff. I wanted to get a little bit into that. But we'd love to have you on again sometime. Um, your your album... Your album comes out. I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, um, but your album comes out next week. So if people want to find out more about you, how do they go about doing it? Just go to my website, infinitymore.com, and also my Facebook page, Instagram. And you can get all the information there. Super. Are you planning on touring Florida anytime soon? Um, I have my booking agent looking into dates up you know, right now for next year. And I hope to come back to that area. I've been down there a bunch. I used to be with Dean Guitars. So I've been down there several times. And also, also my Phillies are playing in the World Series tonight. They play down there in Clearwater for the first time. All right. All right. Well, super. Well, Vinny, I want to thank you very much. I wish you all the best of luck. Thank you very much for hanging out with us here. Um, look forward to hearing your new album. And uh, wish you luck here on uh, you know some future touring with uh, UFO. And hope... Uh, Phil gets through his uh, his medical issues, and you guys can go out there and rock and roll and heavy metal it up again. Thanks very much, man. I appreciate the kind words and great talking to you. Super, super. All right. Well, take care. I want to thank my listeners for tuning in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars this evening. Our special guest, Vinnie Moore, guitar soloist and guitarist for 
UFO, and then some. I mean, this super guy. You got to listen to this guy play guitar. He's super, 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 super. I'm envious. But anyway, I want to thank all my listeners for tuning in. Don't forget to check us out here every Tuesday night between 7 and 8 p.m. on the Tan Talk Radio Network. And uh, don't forget, there's a lot of car shows. You want to find out where all the stuff is, it's definitely go check out flacarshows.com. Don't forget to tune into our show. Like I said, tell your friends about it. If you miss any of our past shows, check out Nostalgic Radio Cars. Uh, the archive page, nostalgicgreenfarts.com. And, well, I want to see you guys out there at some of the car shows. In the meantime, everybody stay safe, drive carefully, and love your family. WTAN, Clearwater, FM 106.1, WDCF, Dade City, FM 102.3, WZHR, Zephyr Hills, FM 104.3. Listen.